Good afternoon. You are listening to Ross FM 94.6 and this is the new show Raiders of the Lost Worlds. And I'm absolutely delighted because I'm actually co-hosting this show with Susie Savannah. Now, if you, I don't know if you missed or you heard last week's show, which was our first show and we've been super excited about this whole new concept because it used to be Historic Looks Fashion Hooks, but it is Historic Looks Fashion Hooks no more. This is the new show Raiders of the Lost Worlds, in which we're going to explore all types of archaeology in all different fields. We're going to be looking into the mythology, focusing on Ireland, the Irish landscape, the history and looking at monuments and how it all relates. But right now I'm delighted because Susie is with me. Hi, Kira. And so Susie, tell us, and for everybody listening in, and maybe they missed it last week, you are a landscape archaeologist. But for everyone listening in, what is that and what does it entail? So yes, Kira, and it's a very important distinction. So a traditional archaeologist would be somebody who does excavate. That's when we dig into the ground, whereas a landscape archaeologist works in a slightly different way. So while a traditional archaeologist will work with a particular site and the monuments and objects in situ there and there'll be excavation work a landscape archaeologist will look at a landscape per se so we'll look at a much bigger area and we don't excavate we'll actually try and reverse engineer using multiple disciplines uh, scientific techniques and other things that we can use to be able to ascertain perhaps what's going on in the whole landscape and not just one part of it so that's that's the distinction there Absolutely. And I'm so excited as well. I'm sure listeners are to get, I suppose, a better understanding because I suppose it's only touched on really in schools and it's not very the information about it. It's not really mainstream. So it's amazing that this show really is going to really be an education for us all and a deeper, deeper look into our amazing heritage. Because in Ireland, we're so rich in landscape, aren't we? I suppose you've found that since moving to Ireland. I have found uh, this place has been quite remarkable because it's essentially one big archaeological landscape in situ wow. and and quite well preserved from uh, Mesolithic right through to now early early modern and and so it's really it's like a fun park for an archaeologist this country because you can walk around a corner and you'll find a, a monument or you can go to the Archaeological Museum in Dublin and you'll find a guarantee, you'll probably find an artefact that has probably been dug up in a field down the road from you. <laughs> so it's really quite amazing. And the quality of what is found here, the quality of archaeology that gives us such a distinct understanding about what's going on on the island of Ireland all throughout uh, prehistory and history since the melting of the last ice age. Well, I'm, I tell you what, I'm fascinated by all of this. And again, you're right. We have so many amazing museums that really do and heritage sites um, doing amazing work to preserve all this. And I think Ireland is definitely a place that is quite untouched compared to other countries. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, very much so. And they have really good heritage sites here uh, that really try to involve communities and say in particular areas like Rathcrohan here in yes. Roscommon. That's that's a landscape. It's mm. not just the actual site. There's a whole landscape which they involve in what they present there at the Heritage Centre. And that's really what excites me about Ireland is we can create these huge archaeological landscapes that then involve communities here and now with a deep 
embedded understanding of their landscape that they can then begin to own themselves and own where you've come from. So it's it's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, I'm super excited. We will be joined by a fabulous guest, Kylie Crowder, who is a battlefield archaeologist. So super delighted we're going to get to talk to her very shortly. So stay tuned. Yes, you are tuned to Ross FM 94.6 and this is the show Raiders of the Lost Worlds. So Susie, I suppose we're going to be talking to Kylie Crowder in a few moments all about her battlefield archaeology and the field I suppose, of studies that she's currently in at the moment. But just, I suppose, set the background for this. What is it for listeners listening in? Absolutely, Kira. Well, battlefield archaeology is its own particular field. It's the study of battlefields through archaeological methodologies, but it's part of a much bigger discipline, that of conflict archaeology, which includes any site that is associated with war or conflicts, because it is quite a specialised field of study. We actually only have a handful of them uh, that are specialists in battlefields. Uh, One is Damien Shields, who is heavily involved in Vinegar Hill and in Escorty in Wexford, and that's part of the 1798 rebellion. And we have Paul O'Keefe, who is involved in the research of a siege site in Kinsale, and Frank Mills, who focuses on the battlefield archaeology of the 1916 rebellion. Uh, And then currently completing her PhD on the 1798 rebellion and General Humbert's campaign is soon to be Dr. Kylie Crowder. And that's who we're going to be talking to in a moment. Well, I have to say, it's a long... Actually, I was going to ask as well for listeners listening in, how long does that process actually take to become an archaeologist? Oh, that's another great question. Uh, It depends how you study. Um, If you go straight in at uh, standard degree level for your bachelor's, that's four years. Uh, And then you can go on and do a higher diploma or master's, PhD. There's so many different ways in. I have a previous degree uh, double major in cultural studies and communications so I went in and did a higher diploma um, found out I loved it and did a master's with the plan eventually to go and do a PhD and then lockdown started so (laughs) yeah so it's it's nice to be back here again working and talking archaeology and then I helped uh, Kylie with her battlefield archaeological research so I would out, be out in the field with her uh, doing resistivity and uh, metal detecting and just the non-invasive ways of trying to ascertain what's going on in this battlefield you know how what's happening can we reconstruct what's happening from where we might get hits off the metal detector but we'll let Kylie tell you all about that anyway absolutely yeah it's fascinating stuff when I was in the army myself my mom was in the army I come from a military background so I think that gives me a unique perspective in the field. Um, it's not a field that's really studied in a lot of places, which I think is a shame because I think it can tell us so much about the communities that it's a part of and the cultures and the countries that it affects and things like that. Um, and I think it's a really unique part of archaeology that brings together so many different things. It brings together, you know, socio-history and it brings together folklore and it's very very personal the, the stuff that I look at um, even on a global scale you know warfare and battlefields are very personal things and so I just think it's really interesting it's one of the things like if you think about what makes humans humans I mean we have warfare all the way back which I mean it's not a positive thing really that makes us humans but it's something that is throughout our history and so I think it can tell us a lot about who we are and I think it can tell us a lot about different cultures and who they are and, and things like that and so I think it just on 
a bigger scale, like archaeologically, it can tell us a lot. The battlefield archaeology dips into every field, so you have things like, you know, you could see artifacts, so it tells us about metallurgy, and it tells us about the changing warfare tactics. Like, you can you can trace things like the, the, the use of the English longbow, and then the development of, you know, weapons, like weapons and guns, and the, the use of gunpowder and things like that. You can track that through time. But you can also track things like medical innovations and things for how, because when you get things like mass graves associated with, with conflict archaeology, it tells us the changes in medicine and how, how, that, how that's changed through time. You can see how bones are set or how people healed or what, what killed people and things like that. So it just kind of touches on a lot of different fields. It's, I mean, there's no end to what it can tell us, really, because it's such a multidisciplinary discipline. It definitely is multidisciplinary. It, it's something I really notice, say, in conversations with you or when we've been out in the field, when I've been helping you with your own research, just the, the tangents we can go off on while we're discussing your research and discuss, discussing the landscape um, in which it's, it's placed. So what can you tell us, say, about some of these landscapes of battlefields? A lot of the ones that I studied are quite opportunistic. There's not really a lot of choice that goes into the landscape that they're set in. But then there's some that you see where it's not opportunistic at all. It's very well planned out. Like, you get a lot of examples of that in medieval battles or a lot in Civil War battles where they would have chosen where to set up camps and where to set up trenches or fortifications and things. And they would have really dug into the landscape and used that as their stronghold. And, you know, they look for things, when they do stuff like that, they look for things like ridges or things or places for cover and concealment or places where they can, you know, have the high ground appearance very Jedi. <laughs> very, yeah. yeah. So, but um, a lot of them can be very opportunistic. Like there's a lot of skirmishes and things like that. There's different levels. There's different types of battles and there's different levels of, of um, planning that go into all of it. That's actually quite amazing. Um, so then my next question then to you is, how does it feel being a woman studying this? What, what parts do you really enjoy? Where do you come up against problems? Um, that's really interesting. I, I, I love, I'm, it's a male dominated field. I mean, there's not a lot of women that do it. There's more and more that have started doing it. I know, um, out of NUIG where I study, Natasha Ferguson came out of there. She's working in Scotland, I believe at the minute. Um, and she does a lot of stuff, but there's not, I mean, if you list off the names of all the most famous battlefield archaeologists, it's not, none of them are, are women. So, um, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's hard because, I mean, I'm, I'm very accepted and very lucky. I have a very supportive group of people for my research, but there is kind of a, it's just very male-dominated. That's, that's all it is. And you just come up across all the things that women do in other male-dominated fields. <laughs> it's just, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's interesting, I think. I think it's interesting being a woman in the field that is so male-dominated, and then the history of it as well is male-dominated. Of course, everyone that I'm talking about and studying historically is also a man. So that's that's an interesting perspective. And then being a, a, a female veteran is interesting as well in this field, and because, I yeah, it's just... Yeah, because you really bring all these different gazes to something that, say, perhaps if a man was studying some of these battle sites, you know, what, what gaze comes because that's 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 his gender, that's who he is. But then you come. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just an awareness, like the men. I mean, not to say that men can't realize that as well, but I think it's just 
always this awareness of, you know, women and children and their, and women particularly in their role in a lot of these, these battles and things that I study and that other people have studied that might be overlooked if a man is studying it just because they focus on the history and they focus on, you know, the accounts and things. And I'm like, they're not, but the, the men that are fighting aren't the only people that are affected by what's going on. And so it's just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting perspective. It's, it's an interesting, it does, like you said, it brings up other gazes and perspectives that a man just might not think of, which isn't to say that men don't. There's loads of men that do. Absolutely, but it's just, it's just wonderful that there is this other more, gaze. Yeah. More natural for a woman to just, like, you know, think about all of that kind of stuff, whereas a man kind of has to remember to think of it, you know? Yeah. No, that's really, and it's really interesting to bringing in that perspective archaeologically of women and children. So uh, perhaps, are there, what's an example that you could give us of something you might find in the field that would be relevant to, to that gaze of, of the, the women and children that are so involved the, in conflict? The women are interesting. Like, the women and cho- like children mostly would just be the perspectives later on, like the people that would remember from their childhood seeing soldiers pass by. I think you get a lot in folklore of children that tell stories of like, oh, the soldiers marched past here, or I remember seeing that, or we found this thing, or, you know, like, from their childhood, it's this kind of, like, we would remember from our childhood, it's this kind of ephemeral thing that happened in their in their youth. But the women are interesting. Women are actually quite involved. They, they, they're followers, they, they're camp followers, they march with the men a lot of times, they feed them, they take care of them, they operate a lot of the hospitals that are there, even all the way back into medieval times and before that, like, women are very involved, and then they're almost entirely taken out of the narrative, um, because they're, they're secondary characters in the story, and it's, it's a shame, because they're so integral to what's happening, like, they're, they're so integral to the marching, to the movement of the troops, and the, the, the sieges, and the lasting camps, and things like that, and then, because they're not necessarily a part of the action, they're kind of erased. And it's, it's unfortunate. So you can find that in the archaeological record. You can find um, when you find artifacts on battlefields or on campsites or siege sites, you can find women. You can find them there. You can find their their clothes and their tools and their things. That's incredible. I, I myself, it wouldn't have been something that I would think about. But you're correct. Women are very heavily involved. Again, as you said, as camp followers in in the 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 hospitals and the caring for the wounded so um that's incredible so going back to being you as a female battlefield archaeologist would you recommend it as something for for women to get involved in absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i recommend any field for women to get involved in just take over the world entirely no i (laughs) i think yeah, I think it brings, like you were saying, it brings a lot of unique perspective to the field. And I mean, you can't have you can't have a full story of anything, whether it's history or archaeology, without women, without our perspective and Correct. what we can bring and, and things like that. And so, yeah, for sure, I definitely think women should get involved. I think we bring a lot to the table, um, just for tons, for so many reasons. And I, it's, I think it would be great to have more more women yeah i i agree i have to say having like i said helped you out with some of your research i really 
found it fascinating and really enjoyed because it was wouldn't be what I had specialized in. It was completely out of my you know my purview but it was incredible to come and be involved with what you were doing and and see the landscape and see the study yeah, there's, so many, there's so many aspects of it like battlefield archaeology really falls under conflict archaeology so i mean you don't have to study the battlefields themselves if that's not what you're interested in you can look at castles or siege sites or artifacts or you know campsites or military medicine like there's just it's so many so many things that you can look at within conflict archaeology and we need as many people as we can because it's really the story of nations that's what conflict archaeology is it's how they were developed how they were built and what their foundations are and so i think it's so important to study that's so true it is it is the story of nations and it is how it's where we all come from that that place of conflict in which a nation is born so fair play to you uh, what we'd love to do I don't know if Kira you have any questions for Kylie yeah I was just going to say like how has your I suppose uh, the more you've progressed as well I know you've, you've been on the process of your degree but how has your perspective changed based on what you've found sorry I can't really I can't really hear you can you, can you hear me now a little bit yeah yeah so I'm just wondering um, based I suppose on the I suppose the years of your degree I suppose what has your what has your perspective been like has it been changing the more research that you're doing or what is that constant um, how is my research change like how yeah, is my how perspective, is your perspective changing on, on my research yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so my perspective I would have got into it quite clinically like I mean I, I really like multidisciplinary multidisciplinary things and I really like, you know, bringing a bunch of different disciplines in and studying history and socio-political aspects of things and really getting to the root of the story um, before I go into the archaeology. So that would be, but that's kind of how I went into it. If I thought it was going to be quite a cut and dry thing that I would do the history and then I would just match that to the landscape and, you know, bing, bang, boom, there we go. We have landscape, archaeology, and battlefields. But it was just, it was surprising to me how entrenched in the landscape this was and how entrenched in the cultural landscape battlefields are and the memory that there is no as much as people try to make that feel like a black and white issue where it's just, you know good versus evil or good guys and bad guys that's not the case like it's just so nuanced all of the different things that happened all of the different people that were involved and it's just you know it really was eye-opening just how it was just amazing how 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 nuanced it was and how culturally relevant and how just everything it was. And so my perspective would have changed in that and then I thought it was just gonna be a really cut and dry um, scientific thesis and it's and it's turned out to be so much more than that. There's just massive interwoven tapestry of of what I study and the people involved and the people even today where it's some a huge memory in their heritage and their culture. So Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds absolutely incredible. And again, there's so much depth in it, I, I suppose, and so much study in it. But I'm just wondering as well, kind of what story or what occasion really springs to mind of you coming across an amazing find that really just blew your mind? Sorry, can you say that again? What was an amazing find that you've come across um, that's really just blown your mind and your whole your whole perspective? An amazing find. That yeah, what have you come across? On your in your studies, I suppose that's really just surprised you. Um, I I do land I do landscape, so I don't have any like concrete science 
seen a few like weapons and things like that, and I've I've done some geophysical survey on one of the battlefields that I studied, and those were incredible. But like I was saying, I think the most incredible thing was the culture and the heritage of it all, and that landscape that I am, that I got to be part of through my research and talking to everybody, where it was just such a big part of who they were, their family's involvement in what I study and things like that. And so I think that would be the most amazing find was this like secret cultural heritage landscape that I was able to find and bring to light that isn't really looked at. Well, it's, it's absolutely, it's fascinating though, isn't it? I suppose, Susie, you probably have a perspective on this as well, I suppose, when it, on that search for and quest for information. Well, yeah, definitely. One of the things I, I have enjoyed talking to you about is when you come back to me with stories of, of people that you've met who whose great-great-great-grandfather might have been in the battle or who, you know, tales, little folkloric tales that are bordering into the mythological now of... of artifacts that disappeared off the battlefield at the time and things like that it's it in what you say about that cultural relevance now is really quite remarkable and I know when uh, you've discussed that with me it's been really quite fascinating to see how very invested uh, emotionally the these generations still are in in that battlefield from several hundred years ago that's part yeah, of their yeah very across the board, I think, with battlefields. I think it's very, it's one of those things where people really want to be connected to it. They really want to find a, which what I study is a, is a rebellion, and so it's quite um, emotional and visceral, and so like that, I mean, that's very connected to the folklore of the landscape that I study. But even with other battles, even with loads of things, there's this almost fake frame to or not, and they just all they just want to be connected to them, and it's just this almost a sacred landscape that you're looking at and the sacred space that you're looking at when you when you study it and so I think it's yeah the people are very connected to it and, and they want to be connected to it they, they always want to have a story and or an ancestor that fought in the battle or some connection to this, this event and that's a really interesting way of 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 how humanity will re- reframe something because conflict is messy conflict is bloody it's it's dirty it's nasty and then at some point it goes from being this blood soaked landscape into something sacred something hallowed um and that in itself is really really interesting yeah, it's one of the things that I kind of want to bring, that I would love to bring into Irish archaeology with the battlefield. It's not really studied here very often, and I think a lot of that has to do with, like, the places that it's studied would be places like America and Scotland and France would have the most um, would have the most amount done. Of course, there's stuff done in other places as well. Um, but it was really born in America, and they, these places that have this really strong tie to their military, and they have this really strong idea of, like, fighting for their independence and things like that, whereas in, in Ireland you have that... That, that fire, that fight for your independence and that strong tie to this, this breaking away of the colonial power and all of that, but you don't really study the battlefields here, and I think it has a lot to do with the negative connotations of it, and I think it would be really cool in Ireland to be able to show that it doesn't have to have this negative connotation, like you can take a battle, like a battle like in Culloden in Scotland, where it was a massive loss for the Scottish rebels there, but it's venerated as this amazing example of Scottish 
pride and I think you could do that in Ireland where even if it's viewed as a loss or viewed as a negative it doesn't have to be it can it can it can celebrate Ireland without taking on the negative feeling of it and you can kind of flip the narrative of what may have happened there which I think is a really cool thing and I think it's a really unique thing that studying battlefields can do absolutely a hundred percent agree so for those of you that don't know Kylie actually is her her PhD is on the 1798 rebellion and the campaign of General Humbert. So I think Kylie, what we'd love to do is get you back on again to so that we can actually drill into that because there's so much to talk about just with that alone. So we we've we've started to set the scene with battlefield archaeology and conflict archaeology as a whole. So I think it'd be really fascinating to let's get get down and dirty on a battle site. Yeah, of course. Yeah, brilliant. It'd be amazing to have you back. Absolutely. It'd be amazing because I think there's not enough, I suppose, information. A lot of people mainstream as well. They may not be aware of the fantastic events and um, that are huge. They're a part of our heritage, aren't they, Susie? Absolutely. 100%. So it'd be great to draw more attention to this. Kylie, yeah, Kylie, what you've had to say today has been amazing. Um, super educational as well for a lot of people listening in as well. And I just want to open up as well that if anybody um, has any questions or anything listening in, please do um, email the station here and we can get about answering these questions for you, hopefully. Yeah, and we can forward them on to Kylie herself. <laughs> Great. I mean, thank you so much, Kylie. Is there anything else, Susie? You'd no, like to... I just want to say thanks and we look forward to continuing this conversation. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so thanks for your time, Kylie. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Kylie. Listen, take care. Have a lovely day. Yeah, thanks. Bye. 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 And that was Kylie Crowder that we just had on, a lovely American PhD student at NUIG Galway, soon to be a doctor um, as she's finishing up the last of her research on the 1798 Rebellion, which uh, covers the campaign of General Humbert and actually moves through the landscape of, uh, in part, Roscommon, Longford, uh, Mayo. Uh, it's, so it's a really, really interesting landscape. Uh, so we're going to get Kylie back on next week to, to drill down into that. So we've gone from looking at the idea of conflict archaeology, which looks at the archaeology of war and conflict, to the more specialised field of battlefield archaeology and what is it, and to what it is to be a woman uh, as a battlefield archaeologist. And so next week we're going to actually get down and look at a battlefield and what it means when we start to pull it apart from an archaeological perspective. You know, what do we look for? What do we research? What do we have? What questions do we have to ask? You know, what disciplines do we bring in? So it's because it's quite an involved study um, to be able to begin to piece together a landscape uh, through the archaeological discipline. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I have a message there in from Stephen Byrne listening in in Dublin. So, hey, Stephen, thanks for tuning into the show. He wants to know, would we be able to talk a little bit more maybe of some of the stories that you guys come across in the fields? Yeah, absolutely. We can bring in the stories for sure. There are some very funny ones. I'm, uh, I guarantee you, as we talk about, uh, in particular, Ballinamuck out in, uh, as which is one of the sites on the 1798 rebellion, we, we have a number of stories that are almost like your archaeological outtakes, as well as some really wonderful cultural heritage stories as well. I think so. And I have another message there in from Anya listening in there in Galway. And she wants to know what drew you to archaeology? 
Oh, me in, in particular. Yeah. Right. Well, do we talk about that now or do we wait till next week, Kira? Tune in and just note as well, guys, that all of our shows here and interviews on Ross FM 94.6 are podcasted on our website. So if you missed any parts of the interview here today, you can tune into the website on www.rossfm.ie. And if you just click the menu, it's the second option down. You can click the podcast section and all of our interviews will be available there or you can check out Spotify and the various platforms that we do stream them across but again thank you so much for tuning in today and the email is studio at rossfm.ie if you have any questions or I suppose of course do you can contact myself or Susie and we'd be more than happy to answer them here for you on the show I'm super excited I think it's going to be amazing to get to dive into all these different fields of study each week yeah it's it really is and quite literally different landscapes and we're going to make them as real as we can for you in this process and we're going to bring in the myths that are part of the landscapes the the heritage the culture what what's happening in these landscapes now as opposed to where they came from and and whether or not there's a marriage between the two because sometimes you'll find that there is such a deep connection in the landscape that the past hasn't been forgotten so yeah it's really fascinating work Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Worlds today. And do tune in next week. But that's all from me, Kira Lawless and Susie Savannah. We look forward to continuing our wonderful conversations. Amazing. Stay tuned. See you then. Bye. Bye.